Today's episode is brought to you by yourself in the future. Listen, there isn't much time to explain, but you told me that you told me to tell you that the dark room lights itself with the love of fat men. I'm not sure what it means, but you said you'd know what it meant. Um, hurry, there isn't much time. The gate is closing. Something about a baby? I'm not sure. You just kind of faded out after that. But, uh, but thanks. You, I guess? Hello and welcome to Horror Movie Talk, an opinionated and accidentally funny horror movie review show. Your schlubby hosts each week are Bryce Hansen, the cool collected nihilist, and David Day, a cool guy who's always cool. Uh, new theatrical releases always get priority, but we also review older horror movies, both good and horrible. I'm David Day. I'm Bryce Hansen. And today we have one heck of an episode for you guys. We are reviewing Us, the most confusingly titled movie ever, but, uh, but boy, what a lot of hype. Big hype on this. Yeah, I mean, they went heavily with the... 100% on Rotten Tomatoes in their marketing recently, and it kind of underlines what that actually means. What does that actually mean, Bryce? I mean, we'll talk more about how good it it was, mm-hmm. but when you, when you uh, <clears throat> advertise that it's 100% on Rotten Tomatoes, dumb people will think, oh, critics gave it 100% score. Right. Like, they gave it 10 out of 10. And that's not the case. Rotten Tomatoes measures sentiment. So right. if the review is generally positive, it counts as like one. Right. And if it's negative, if it's it, counts negative zero. it counts as zero. Right. So, so this, this isn't a, this is a binary system, not a right. 100% system. Right. Anyway, so reviewing us, super amped um, to give you guys a really great show today. We start out by giving a brief review and our score for the movie. We score on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being very bad, 10 being very, very good, possibly, well, definitely the be- one of the best movies we've ever seen, and 5 being totally average, just a kind of a what, 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 what you expected. After we give our score, we'll get into spoilers and take a deeper dive into what we liked or hated about the film. And later in this episode, we will be doing the Rotten Tomatoes game, and it came from social media to discuss a rather controversial topic between Bryce and I. (laughs) Which is scarier, earthquakes or sinkholes, as far as natural disasters go? And we have a definitive answer. We do indeed. So stay tuned for that. Uh, But the Rotten Tomatoes game, I should tell you guys what that's about. So we have different themes, and we pit two different movies against each other. I pit them against each other, and Bryce has to determine which one has the higher Rotten Tomatoes score, speaking of Rotten Tomatoes. But first, uh, we're going to plug ourselves. Our website is www.horrormovietalk.com. Check us out on there. We're also on the social media. You can get to our social media from from our website. So just do that. We're on the Facebook, the Twitter, the Gram. We post new episodes of our podcast every Wednesday. So you go ahead and just be sure to leave a, a review and, and a subs- go ahead and subscribe to that podcast on iTunes or whatever it is you you know you tend to listen to your podcasts on. You can support our podcast by buying or renting or buying anything. 
movie or product on Amazon if you click through the green button in the header of our website. Again, that's horrormovietalk.com. And it doesn't add any extra cost to your product. It just lets us get a couple cents. We kind of skim off the top. We've worked out a great hack where we've... We're, it's it's like Superman two, where yes. we just kind yeah. of no it's Superman three fractions of pennies yeah and Fra- we're just scan, skimming them off the top like Office Space also if also if you want to support the show and get access to great horror streaming shows movies all that kinds of good stuff head on over to Shutter and use promo code HMT at checkout and you get an extra you get 30 days free trial subscription to Shutter, And then if you decide to go for the full length subscription from there, it's only a couple bucks a month. It's not, not, not the $12 that Netflix is now. Oh my God. (laughs) So thanks again for listening and let's get into the show. We went and saw us. And while it was an incredibly solid horror movie, it did not live up to the hype in my eyes. Yes, it had good social commentary and implications. Yes, it is by one of the most respected, if only because of his single debut horror movie, Get Out, writer-directors out there, Jordan Peele. Yes, it starred an all-black cast. It's hard to follow something like Get Out, though, and uh, with with something even more impressive, right? I mean, it's... It's hard to trump that, and I'm, I'm not even sure that this didn't. Like, this might have trumped Get Out. I can't recall the—I I just recall what I felt coming out of Get Out, and it was more impressive than what I felt coming out of Us. And that's the only sin that Us really committed, is it, is it wasn't more impressive than Get Out. I think—I mean, y- you won't be able to live up to Get Out, I don't think, because that's so perfectly encompassing. It's actually kind of interesting that— I I watched some interviews with um, Jordan Peele talking about his strategy for, you know, making this sophomore movie because yeah. it's, you know, the sophomore slump of you have a, a great new director comes out, makes just a fantastic movie, and then gets kind of an open door to say, okay, you get to make whatever you want next. Yeah. And a lot of people fuck it up. And Jordan Peele, in, in this interview, he he mentions he specifically looked at the second movies of some of these directors that he really likes, and he mentioned specifically Tarantino, Pulp Fiction, probably Shyamalan, um, which was uh, Six Breakable, Unbreakable, Unbra- Unbreakable was his second, and uh, and there's there's one other, but they all kind of had like a common thing of stumbling block. No, I mean they're they're fantastic, but they're more about like just make the movie that you want to see. You know, don't yeah. don't worry about following up or continuing on from the last movie. Right. Don't get uh, a, don't 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 try to like take what works from the last movie and and put it into this movie. Right. Don't get caught in your head. Yeah. Make the movie that you want to see. Yeah. Um, that otherwise will not get made, you know? Right. And in that case, I think he was really successful on, on us because I don't think, I don't think this movie could get made otherwise, unless it was made by Jordan Peele. No, that's accurate for sure. You know, and I shouldn't say the only sin that us committed is not living up to the, to the hype. Um, I, for me, it just 
was just bare bones was not that entertaining. It just didn't entertain me as a movie um, to the extent that Get Out did or that I was expecting this right. to. It definitely was not as tight as Get Out. Right. It was it was a little more <laughs> flubby around the middle. Yeah. It was a lot more amorphous. Like it wasn't as well defined. Yeah. Um that being said, I'm I'm coming kind of on the opposite boat than you in that the more I think about this and the more I read about it <clears throat> from where Jordan Peele's coming from, the more I actually like it. Hey, that's fair. I, I respect it more over over time. Um and it's kind of like the same thing with you know, some of these classic horror movies that are labeled as, you know, the best of all time. Yeah. One of them being The Shining. I mean, for me, seeing it the first time, it's not that impressive. Right. But on repeat viewings, I'm, I start to pick out like, okay, yes, this is the stuff that works. The, you know. Yeah, this is, this. that's a good, that's a good uh, parallel to draw for, for us is, is The Shining because there's a lot of, there's a lot of the same care that went into The Shining went right. into us very yes. clearly. Yeah. Now, that being said, uh, I don't believe – well, like I said before, it's just us just didn't entertain me as much as, as, much as a lot of movies. Yeah, that's so, fair. So with that, let's get into the trailer. That's a classic right there. What does I got five on it mean? It's about drugs. It's not about drugs. It's a dope song. Don't do drugs. Get in rhythm. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Can't believe how big they've got. Did you hear Gabe got a boat? He's kidding, right? He's not kidding. Hey, I think it's vodka clock. Oh, yeah. Where's Jason? Jason? Jason! Where were you? I didn't know if you were lost. Stick with me, and I'll keep you safe. There's a family in our driveway. It's probably the neighbors. But y'all scared of a family? Hi, can I help you? Zora, put your shoes on. If you want to get crazy, we can get crazy. Exactly like us. They think like us. They know where we are. We need to move and keep moving. They won't stop until they kill us. And we kill them.
Talk. Uh, okay. That is a master's class of a trailer. That trailer is damn near. I, I can't even, I can't think of another trailer that's better than, than the us trailer. It was really good. I can't say that. Yeah. I mean, it, I had my doubts when I, when I first saw it, I, I'll, I'll admit like, cause I didn't know exactly what he was going for at all. But I mean, that's usually a good thing with a trailer is that you don't want to give away too much. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a really good trailer. The the soundtrack on the trailer that I got five on it that goes that goes minor key and then it turns super chilling, and uh, and all the visuals in it are alarming in the extreme, and really it just I'm gonna say that the trailer kind of ruined the movie for me. Uh, a yeah, I amount. think I like, think that's that's part of it because I. I had reservations about the trailer. I was excited about the movie mostly because it's Jordan Peele, but um, I think I tempered my expectations a little bit because yeah. I'm like, I don't know if I can completely trust that this movie is going to be great. I have a pretty, I have like a 90% chance of it being really great. I'll tell you, the the trailer really sets up, like, it, it show it, it sets up, oh, this this movie is going to be a visual stunner and it's going to offer a lot of really disturbing visuals to me that are unnerving in the extreme and it's not that the movie doesn't do that it's just that you've seen them already Mo- all the big all the big weird creepy weird shit is in the trailer and so it has mm-hmm. a lot less impact when when you do see it in the movie especially considering there is some fat to trim on this movie yeah but us can be found in theaters right now. You guys should definitely <coughs> go out and see it because, um, you know, no matter how critical, quote unquote, critical I am of this movie, uh, I'm not, I don't think I'm being unjust or unfair, but it, this will be a movie that will be talked about by, by a lot of people for a long time, the same way Get Out was and is. So get out to theaters and see it because it is quite an experience. Us is the story of a mother, played by the astonishingly good actress Lupita Nyong'o, who is haunted by a traumatic experience she had in her childhood. It's also about her current-day family as they go on a vacation somewhere nice near Santa Cruz. They are haunted by a family of shadow people who resemble them, but are twisted and perverted, and kind of inverse. At its core, Us is a home invasion horror movie. Us is also a smart critique on America Today, uh, both politically and socio socioeconomically, even more, it's a fun and at times funny movie that everyone can probably appreciate. I give us a seven out of ten, and let me go into a little bit of why. Uh, while it's all the things I described above, it's not particularly impressive in any standout way, other than it it is a very well made film. It's a solid movie that people will talk about. It's just not that. It's just not that thrilling. I was fairly bored during about one third of this movie, and a lot of that was while the cat and mouse game played out between these two mirror families. It is an intricate, well-crafted film with an eye on symbolism and obvious deep meaning. It just didn't entertain me like I hoped it would. So seven out of ten for me. What say you? Um, I'm not far off. I gave it an eight out of ten. I think I really appreciate 
all the things it did really well. I think it, I think it uh, handled the suspense and the the thrilling aspects of it really well. Um, it wasn't. I think to get into nine territory. I mean, it's definitely not a ten. It's not like a classic yeah. of all time. Right. Um, to get to nine territory, I have to be like delighted. Right. Throughout. And I wasn't delighted throughout, but I was really, really impressed with a lot of things in this movie. And, uh, you know, looking, I also try to temper my jadedness mm. from seeing, you know, every yeah. horror movie yeah. um, that comes out. I think what it had going for it is it had a solid concept. It was well thought out. It uh, was well executed. A lot of the... Um, overlooked touches in a lot of horror movies were handled lovingly. Yeah. Like the score Big was time. fantastic. The, the acting was great. The character development and, and all that stuff was really, really well crafted in this movie. That being said, like there weren't a lot of times where I was like, I'm super enjoying myself right now. It was just more like, this is a really good movie. That's that is exactly. I'm so glad that that you kind of fleshed that out a little bit more because I was teetering between a seven and an eight, and I and I was feeling a lot of pressure um, because <laughs> just because of what this movie is and what it kind of represents. Um, you know, the the sophomore film by a, 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 one of the most impressive, just out the gate directors yeah. who just happens to be black and makes movies about you know essentially starring an all black cast. But the but what it boils down to for me is I just wasn't overjoyed. I, I wasn't yeah. having the fun time that I thought I would be in this movie. And that's where the seven comes from. <laughs> Everything else about this movie is really well done. And there's just some this is like the killing of a sacred deer for you. You know, right. For me, it really, really worked because it, it entertained me. It was dry and, mm -hmm. and kind of horrible. And, and I loved it. Right. But it didn't tickle you. No. And this just, yeah, it, it just didn't uh, entertain me the way I hoped it would. Yeah. I mean, it's, the the other part that I, it, it, it comes down to, I think between a seven and eight, comes down to like what you value more. Yeah. And I think I value the, uh, the thematic material of like <clears throat> fleshing something out enough to where you have a complete picture, but not, well, not, you have a good picture of what's going on, but not a complete picture. Right. It can be interpreted. So there's a lot of wiggle room for interpretation. Right. Yeah. There's a lot of like, oh, and we'll question, get into that. Questions about like the world itself. Like how, how does this really work? Why is, why is this thing the yeah. way it is? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's, that's one of the things that, I've also uh, watched some interviews about it, is, is that Jordan Peele said this is a very this movie has a very very well f fleshed out mythology and backstory and it was just a question of how much do you show right because if you explain everything about why these doppelgangers exist you leave nothing open to interpretation you leave nothing open to interpretation and it becomes less interesting right and less scary right um so that's that's something that um i realized throughout i'm like 
there's there's more to this that he's not showing I and it's never it. given to you I, and it's yeah, uh yeah. but it's it gives you enough to where you know like the five or six different ways it could go right and and that's what this movie did incredibly well don't get me wrong like this like peel is approaching kubrick territory in in his in the care effort and and thought that goes into the process of of film production and and filmmaking yeah i mean without question you can interpret this this a, a lot of a lot of different ways and right out the movie theater we we both had our 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 opinions yeah. and uh and i mean it's a really fun movie to psychoanalyze yeah. because because you can do it a bunch of different ways and depending on where your head's at when you watch it you'll come away with something for sure right so yeah and and so that's kind of my next point which is one of the many things that us has going for it is this is going to be a conversation starter at parties in like friend groups like this this is going to be a movie that is discussed for a long long time just because it is so good at that so with that let's get into the spoilers Spoilers. So, in this section, we just go through and tell you everything that happens in the movie. So, if you if that's not if that's not your jam, if you don't want to know everything about us, put put push pause, head on out, take a friend, bring your mom, go see us. And then, you know, after you're done, hit play again. So, Us begins in 1986 on the Santa Cruz boardwalk with young Adelaide having a fun time with her parents on the boardwalk. At some point, she wanders off and discovers a house of mysteries below the boardwalk, which is where she first comes into contact with her quote-unquote tethered self. This intro to this movie is nearly perfect in the way it builds tension and sets atmosphere. I was enthralled immediately and if anything, it just upped the hype for me. The The beach at night is a fucking scary place. <laughs> if you've walked on the beach at night, you know what I'm talking about. And uh, and he captures it really well in this. Yeah. Wow, that's, that's an observation that I didn't even think about. But you're completely right. Something about not being able to see the ocean, but here it is is actually really frightening, isn't it? And it's that big, long expanse that you can just yeah. kind of stare off into. Just blackness. Just blackness in every direction. Oh, yeah. The beach at night, man. Yeah. If you haven't been, don't go. So, yeah, she goes into the the House of Mirrors or the haunted house thing that was called, uh, I wrote it down, Merlin's, Merlin's Forest, and then subtitled, Find Yourself. Ooh. Mm. Did you notice that it said find yourself? Because she found herself. So, yeah, she finds her doppelganger. Doppel, Queen Doppelpopolis, if you will. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, she goes into this house of mirrors slash fun house. She bumps into a little girl who looks like herself. And this deeply traumatizes Adelaide. And she stops talking uh, following this event for some time. So then we fast forward to the present day, and Adelaide is 
a middle-aged woman with kids and a family, and she is driving with her family to their vacation house near Santa Cruz. Dun, dun, <laughs> Santa Cruz is like, is like Transylvania, Pennsylvania. Adelaide is nervous about returning to the scene of the crime that caused her so much agony as a child. The family has a few strange run-ins at the beach and a small scare at the beach, and then they meet up with their friends, the Tylers, played by Tim Heidecker and Elizabeth Moss. And I gotta tell you, Bryce, that Tim Heidecker, I can't take seriously in any role he plays at all. It, it, a portion of this movie was ruined because Tim <laughs> was in it. No, I think it adds to it. I see. I, I love it. I just see him and I go... Well, that's Tim from Tim and Eric. <laughs> the part where his doppelganger comes out in the bathrobe is like, <laughs> like none of the doppelgangers can really talk mm-hmm. except for one. And uh, they, Queen Doppelpopolis. <clears throat> Queen Doppelpopolis. Um, but they all kind of have their own Mumbles. kind of mannerisms. Yeah. And so <laughs> Tim Heidecker's doppelganger character is Tim. Is, is Tim just kind of mumbling like the the words he would say is like is that you i see there well my friend come right in but it's like and he's like wearing his bathroom i don't know it yeah. really works for me well um, i mean i'm just as soon as i see tim heidecker in anything it doesn't matter if it's an interview on the news it doesn't matter what it is i just know whatever's going to happen is going to be so fucking meta or, or my experience is going to be so meta <coughs> because of my ex- my experience watching Tim, which is basically a fever dream every time I see him. Yeah, a lot of the time, just the humor of the Tim and Eric show, or even just a lot of his projects, like his movie. I can't remember what his movie was called. I think it does um, the comedy. I yeah. think it's called. Yeah, it's that. Yeah, it's that. Yeah, and even has like a YouTube. <laughs> video series where he's on trial and it's all just played so straight yeah that at one point i'm like is this too smart for me is like am i not smart enough to find this funny but at the other side it's just like you can tell that he's having so much enjoyment out of making me think that right that that's where the comedy is right um so he set himself up to play straight characters and you're always at this point of unease of like is he being funny it's very now? it's very kaufman esque yeah. it's yeah. it's it's so he's he's conditioned you to to just to any time you see him you have a pavlovian response yeah and it is it's just kind of it's what it is. So yeah. Tim Heidecker kind of pulled me out of this movie a, a little bit. That being said, he did a he did a good job. He did what he was supposed to do. I assume him and Peel are pretty close, or at least that's what I like to believe in my brain. Right. Um, so her husband believes that she's overreacting when she starts having panic attacks about the safety of her family and the area in general. At some point, she starts. Adelaide starts saying, "Hey, you know, let's. I mean, it's getting to be nighttime. Let's just." Let's just jet. I don't like this place. Let's get out of this house. But when they're getting ready to go to bed that night, the action really ramps up when uh, they see a family standing in their driveway, which is a 
brilliant intro to the to the bad guy. Yeah, and this was in the trailer, and it's great. It's a great, um, what would you call it? There's another word for it. I'm I'm thinking vignette, but it's more of a like the snapshot portrait. It's a great like snapshot that seeing the family in the distance, just in silhouette, yeah. holding hands, is and they're not moving and they're not reacting at all. Is just something very great. And I I watched a um, a video, a New York Times video of Jordan Peele breaking down this scene in particular, and it was really interesting. What he brought up was that when you <laughs> when you have a scene where someone's asking you asking a person a question and the person does not respond after about two times asking and no response like the tension is built up because you know this is not a conversation this is going to get physical right you know that's just a universal if you see if you saw an animal that wasn't reacting to you and just staring at you yeah and it wasn't reacting to like you trying to scare it away or something You'd be like oh shit this oh, is I'm really fucked right now yeah <laughs> oh, something's man. about to go down that little kitty is going to kill me and uh and then he also pointed out how to increase the tension on that scene it it went to real time which i didn't notice on the first viewing but um it really was a one shot for a lot of it with the the family inside the house as they're reacting to the family outside. Um, and it goes from, you know, being a regular movie cut, like, you know, jump jumping between characters where they're going. And then it goes to this moment where they're all in one place and it's all happening in real time. And it feels more of a documentary and it really like shifts the tone. Yes, suddenly. that's right. Yeah, instead of being stationary cameras, suddenly you're locked in in a in a, in a in a, yeah, with it's a got a lot that, more steady cam. Yeah, that moves stuff. with them yeah. and steady cams around. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, that and but that intro. So what? Yeah, I mean, essentially, the little boy um, uh, Jason uh, comes out and and says, "Hey, you know, there's a family in the driveway." <laughs> yeah. Then they then they kind of go and you know do what you would do, stand in the entryway and look through the window and be like, "What the fuck is going on out there?" The right. whole family's like sitting there looking. And, uh, yeah, you just get this silhouette of this f- other four-person family just standing there in the driveway. And the dad starts getting, you know, he's like, all right, it's time to take care of this. You know, which any dad kind of r- relates to. It's like, mm-hmm. well, I got a time to nut up or shut up, so go get my bat. <laughs> and so, I, you know, I mean, I've, I really heavily related to this guy who, you know, he's wearing a Howard University sweatshirt and um you know he's clearly he's clearly not you know quote unquote hard (laughs) Mm -hmm. but he now it's time to act it you know and so he goes and gets you know his 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 girl goes and gets the bat and he goes outside and he's like hey i asked you nice you know could you leave it's time to go like if you want to go we can go and then the most disturbing thing happens i get chills just thinking about it which is any scene in the trailer Right that second, they they just split <laughs> up, scatter. Yeah, the two the two kids run off into the into the dark, start flanking them. Yeah, start flanking them, getting around the back of the house or whatever. And and um, the mom and dad uh, 
or start walking directly at him. So immediately he's outnumbered <laughs> and and, and flanked, and starts backing up. Woo, boy, man! Like it, it, like thinking about this happening to me, and this is why this is why home invasion horror <coughs> is one of my very favorites because it's so plausible. I mean, it could happen m- much more easily than Freddy hitting you in your nightmares, right? Probably not going to be killed in, in your in your dreams by uh, a doppelganger by, by, oh. by a by a oh, fanci- by a by a yeah, fantasy yeah, yeah, yeah. man who a burn victim. Right. But people could come to your house and fuck you up. Yeah, a burn victim could come to your house and kill you. <clears throat> right, right. Which actually <laughs> we'll get into. <laughs> yeah. So at this point, there's a lot of cha- so at this point the the action basically begins. It's go time, and there's a lot of chasing. And being chased in us, which is the least fun part in this movie for me. There weren't very many genuinely disturbing moments at this point. It was just kind of run around, chase your counterpart. Uh, And this is kind of where it started to lose me. Because after that initial visual... um, Yeah, I mean, it was interesting. A lot of it, it was less about the creativity and the chase and more about communicating the differences between the characters and their doppelgangers. Right. And that was interesting, but not as interesting as the time dedicated warranted necessarily. Right. There was a lot of time dedicated to it. There was a couple. I mean, I like the uh, the father's chase on the on the boat. On the boat, that was probably the standout one. Yeah, um, the mother was just kind of tied up, the and then the daughter, daddy. the daughter was just running, and nothing really interesting happened. Other than it shows that yes, this doppelganger will kill people. Yeah, the 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 stakes are high. The stakes yeah. are death. Yeah, yeah. Th- at this point, it. I mean, so I don't know how far away <clears throat> I'm going to I'm going to do this next section in terms of like the most impressive thing about the chase sequence for me of the family all dispersing and being chased around different parts of the house and across like the street, the street and in the lake and stuff. The most impressive is that it was a very convincing reun- reunification of all of them. Right. Like they all came together at right around the same time and it all made sense. Yeah. And they escape. Right. Which is pretty impressive how he pulled it off. But at the same time, like, probably wasn't actually necessary to have all that chase sequence. Right. You know, could have had, like, the scene in the living room by the fire and communicate those differences between the... Well, I don't know. I'm not going to second guess Jordan Peele. I think I think it worked out really pretty well. Um, I agree with you the... It wasn't as exciting as it probably could have been for those chase sequences. And as it was portrayed in the, in the trailer. Yeah, but thinking back on Get Out, uh, it wasn't a movie with over-the-top scares. Get Out was not a scary, no. terrifying movie. It had a no, few it was, jump scares. it was a lot of tension building. Right. It created ambiance and mood and tension. Yeah. And this movie did not have that build. It did... Um, it did have little builds, uh-huh. but it didn't have that big overarching thing, which which I'm more of a fan of. This was much more of a slasher-ish kind of version right. of a movie instead of a long... It was a straight-ahead horror movie. I mean, you could describe Get Out as a thriller, and mm-hmm. you would be more on the thriller side yeah. of thriller horror. This is definitely a horror movie. Like, yeah. it's not... 
even from the beginning, it's not really setting itself up to be a thriller or a mystery or anything. The one other thing that I want to mention or say I appreciated in this uh, sequence is when the father gets batted in the knee. Yeah, through the through the door. Okay, so like, <sighs> it's a it's a pretty great trope, and I and I like it when they use it in movies to where they have a character that is, I mean, the father's not necessarily the most um, intimidating person. But he's a personality wise, but he is like definitely over six feet, and he's he's, a, he's like over two fifty. Yeah, he's a large man. Like, and it's not all chub. I mean, he's got some muscle on. Yeah, there. I, like he's. I could see he's like an, got an athletic build. He could he could fuck someone up. Oh if yeah. You, if you uh, you know get on the wrong side, and so when he comes out with a bat, you're like, okay. I mean, run away. Yeah, he can do what he needs to do. And if I was up against him, I'd be like, yeah, he could probably kick my ass. With oh a yeah, bat. for sure. Yeah. And then, like the parallel for me for this is uh, Deliverance. Uh. <laughs> um, in Deliverance. Um, What's his name? Just died. Um, uh, yeah, Burt Reynolds. Burt Reynolds. Burt Reynolds' character in Deliverance is set up to be the alpha male, the one that knows how to do everything, knows how to survive, and can fuck people up. And almost immediately, he gets injured right. and is useless. Right. So that's what happens in this movie. The father that is the most intimidating and is the most able to actually do harm to these intruders immediately gets crippled. Yeah. Through and throughout the whole movie he's completely useless. In like a convincingly he, dorky way as yeah. well. <laughs> and he's just, just like bonk on the ankle and it's like, ow, god damn it. Oh my ankle. It's like, yeah, I can relate to that. <laughs> or or his knee or something. Yeah. I mean his his leg is out of commission. So he's like hobbled and like using stuff as a crutch throughout the whole movie. And it's like Yeah, I mean you can you can have like the one thing that you're like okay we can at least we can count on this thing for our security and have it just completely taken away from you immediately yeah from something very trivial yeah and that's a great horror movie trope it is it is a great horror movie trope the uh, and and there's nothing in us that is going to make you angry as far as continuity goes this movie is saw lid yeah it it is it is well thought out and crafted from beginning to end so you're not going to you're not going to be hampered by some niggling thing where it's like didn't he just get <coughs> didn't he just get hit in the knee with a bat and now he can't walk yeah right. he did and he can't walk for the basically the rest of the movie right yeah <laughs> so so yeah that is the other uh the other trope in this movie that he did not break uh break away from was the black guy died first. <laughs> <laughs> no, wait. The wasn't the first death a white guy? Oh, maybe the guy that interrupted the the daughter doppelganger. <gasps> oh, he came out right. and was like, "Get off my car, please." Oh, yeah. And she's, you know, good, giving him the good call. The, the, good call. This is like a bizarro horror movie. Mm. The white guy dies first. So when we meet these tethered people, they get they get all the family together in 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 the living room, and uh, the doppelgangers um, tell the story of the the doppelganger of Adelaide tells the story of who they are and how they came to be, and she can actually talk. She can kind of talk. She's got this raspy voice, and she's telling this very 
disturbing story. The, and, and basically what it boils down to is this middle-class happy family that is the Wilsons has an inverse family of tethered people who are forced to live underground and have lives that are the inverse of their above-ground counterparts. The doppelganger family lives in a place where suffering and cruelty is normal. This family has the last name Red. They hate their above-ground counterparts for obvious reasons and have decided to take their lives. Yeah, so it 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 points out it's an interesting mythos because it says that <clears throat> they were created. It says that explicitly that they're created to be a copy of everyone above ground. Right. With the exception being they don't have a soul. Right. That the soul is shared between the two bodies, which is a really interesting concept to me. Which is like, huh, that's really kind of a cool idea. And that these bodies without a soul are tethered or tied to the fates and what the people above ground are doing. Right. So when it flashes between above ground and below ground, you see, you know, people in line at a carnival or fighting or whatever above ground and below ground in these rooms of like, you know, looks like a office space, you know, they're reenacting the same scenes that are happening upstairs, but they're, there's no context for right. it at all. And they're just helpless. Yeah. They're like, and, they're like puppets. Yeah. And yeah, that'd be a pretty horrific existence. It's interesting because it paints, it paints the analogy of you can't have one without the other, right? You can't have the good without the bad. Right. They exist in tandem all the time, whether you like it or not, whether it's hidden, whether you can see it, it doesn't matter. You, you have this duality that exists in humanity. Yeah. So it has, they have reason to be pissed off. Right. You know, Cause they're, their fates are tied to these people above ground and the people above ground have all the privilege and have all the good things. And the people below ground have nothing. Right. And let's be clear. This is as far as we know, all of America. There is a line in in this movie where she says, who are you people? And she says, we are America. Or we're Americans. We're Americans. Yeah, yeah I'm sorry. But I took that very, very <laughs> literally to mean we are America, basically. Yeah. So this is another area where I've gained more respect the more I've thought about it and the more I've seen, you know, interviews about it is that... Um, well, maybe we should get into like what your what your theory is about what what it actually means. Yeah, sure. So my initial like my knee jerk reaction was I couldn't shake that this was an obvious criticism of an America who voted for Trump or uh, what America has become today. Not mm -hmm. necessarily because of Trump, but there are some fairly strong ties that I saw. The evil. First of all, let's start off with the quote unquote evil people or the perversions. We're called red. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, the Republicans, Republicans right. basically, uh, that just seemed to fit um, in my mind. Uh -huh. This is the puzzle that my mind is putting together. There is a fear of invaders in this movie uh, of foreign of foreign people foreign to us who may believe who we may believe are below us. Uh -huh. And this is a, paints a very literal picture of that. Like there are people below us. Right. These people exist below us, yeah. actually. <laughs> There's a point in the movie where 
uh, they reference Hands Across America, which seems like a direct reference to the Mexico Wall to me. Americans uniting together to keep people out and and join hands to form a literal wall. Uh, the suggestion that we don't really knew, know who we are seems to be paramount in this movie. We are a nation divided. Half of us would like very much to ignore the other half. And that kind of goes both ways for the left and the right. Also, following the twist ending, there is a a earth-shattering twist ending on this. Um, we are who we hate. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, we are who we hate, suggesting that those who think they're innocent are just as guilty. So, yeah. no, it doesn't, doesn't matter what side you're on. You're, you're complicit somehow in something, too. Right. And it's kind of interesting, even, even that analogy, just drawing it in those lines, that it's not a one-to-one thing, and there's still a lot of wiggle room. Because you say, okay, the doppelganger dingers, <clears throat> doppelgangers represent... Republicans, they're red, you know, so right. the red states or whatever. But also they represent the Mexico. Mexico. The sure. Mexicans are or the the lower class people right. that that are disenfranchised. Right. So um I think looking at some of the interviews and, and what Jordan Peel says about this, a couple things. Um one, the title has a double meaning <clears throat> is, you know, us, but also US. US. Yeah. Um and so I think mean, that that's pretty, not completely blatant, but not, you know, too hard to decode. Right. <laughs> um, but he talks about the idea of doppelgangers is, was always disturbing to him. And he, he references a specific Twilight Zone episode, which is interesting because he's remaking the Twilight Zone. Yeah. Um, which is annoying because I might have to get CBS on demand or whatever just to watch it. It's coming out on like yeah. It's not going to be on TV. It's going to be on their subscription service. Brutal. Um, but anyways, it, he talks about it as being um, the idea of us versus them when it's really just all us. Right. It's we're you're fighting yourself if you're fighting your your neighbor. And I really love that idea. Yeah. Like that's one of my favorite concepts of society and how harmful that is is to have an us versus them mentality to where you have one narrative and they have another as opposed to just thinking about it we're as all in this together unbiased and you know we're all in the world we're all trying to live with the same you know freedom yeah <laughs> we're we're all trying to like live happy lives and be able to you know have a family and be nice and be nice. Yeah. And be happy. Yeah. This, this came with like with the tethered souls like that, that all of this yeah. speaks and, very loudly to all of this. Yeah. And like us versus them, you could, you could tie it to uh, different classes. You could tie it, tie it to different races. I mean, from, and there's a lot of like really interesting uh, metaphors in there, like looking at classes, the, you know, upper class and lower class workers, or, you know, you could even just say uh, management versus labor. Yeah. They are tied together. You can't have one without the other. You can't be like a rich billionaire with a giant mansion and 50 acres without, you know, some immigrant 
taking care of (laughs) take care care of like your yard or being your mate or something i mean that's just how it is yeah paint paint it however you want you need the 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 duality always exists there will always be and there will always be that uh, give and take and that um there will always be that privilege and disenfranchisement right you know it's it's part of human nature and it is horrifying right and uh and there is a portion of this that kind of that kind of it's almost like a shame on you for not realizing that that what you do to your neighbor you also do to yourself and that gets us to the bible verse that continuously appears in this film over and over and over again jeremiah 11 11 reads Therefore, thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will bring evil upon them, which they shall not be able to escape. And though they shall cry unto me, I will not hearken unto them. I won't listen to their cries. Right. So it's, I, I looked at this verse too, and, and kind of looked the con, looked at the context around it. But first of all, that's a great Bible verse for a horror movie. Mm-hmm. Just saying, I'm going to send you an evil that you can't escape, which is great in terms of home invasion and a chase movie. Yeah. It's like, no, that's the whole point. You can't escape it. Yeah. They're they're here and they're coming after you. But also like the context around it is talking about Israel's covenant with God and that they they've broken it. Ooh. And so if you're going to extend the metaphor around that verse, you could say, "Listen, we have a social contract you know, in the US where all men are created equal. You know, we find these truths to be self-evident. Um, and we want to have a society where there's equality and freedom and no one's disenfranchised and everyone, you know, has the same opportunity. Right. And uh, I think that what this film is saying is that, you know, you've broken this covenant. Yeah. You've broken this law, and now you will suffer the consequences of your actions, yeah, which I, is you will have a an evil come upon you that you cannot escape, right. which is, you know. It's compelling. It's compelling. Yeah. So lots to kind of unwrap there. There's also, I mean, there's just so much that, so many different ways that you could interpret that. Um, I'm going to get back to the tributes that, Peel pays in us some of the things that I noticed and wrote yeah. down in this movie. So the callbacks are real in this movie. He is you can you can tell what his influences are. Oh yeah, and I and I read that he had the cast watch several yeah. horror mm-hmm. movies that um, to have a, like a common language. Mm-hmm. And one of the ones that jumps out even from one of the very first shots is Kubrick. Yeah, that that forest shot. It's not as long as in The Shining, but it's just taken straight out of The Shining. Yeah, like the helicopter shot of the the forest as they're driving to the yeah. to the home. It's there's like straight Shining. There's so much of this movie that's a tribute. Like the whole movie is basically a gi- one giant tribute. And actually, I think it's a little bit to blame for what I found slow or boring about this movie because because there's so much no because there's so much effort being paid to go look this is freddy krueger can you see can you see that this is freddy krueger look this kid's name is jason it's jason (laughs) you know and then they say it a thousand times or or 
so so let's just go down the list of things that I saw in this movie. So just the big obvious one was kind of at the beginning. You're watching a Hands Across America on TV, and off to the side there are a couple VHS tapes. One of which is Chud. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I wrote that down too. <laughs> the other of which is Goonies, uh-huh. and there was another one that was like that said 141 minutes, and I couldn't figure out what that was. But after digging a little bit, us is 141 minutes. Oh, okay. So, so there's that. And then Michael Jackson's Thriller t-shirt. Yeah, Michael Jackson, they have the Thriller. Um, Jordan Peele mentioned that he was a, kind of like a, a mascot for this movie in that there's duality oh, yeah, <laughs> surrounding man. Michael Jackson, you know, black and white and holy cow. This recent Neverland documentary that came out is like is it called Escaping Neverland or something like that? Something like that, yeah. But it's you know right after we'd that. kind of like come to rest with Michael Jackson of like all right, we're he's dead. We we you know respect his you know his legacy or whatever, and it comes back like a couple of years later is like no, he he really he really 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 molested children. Look, and you're like God damn it, yeah he did. Yeah, but boy can he dance. <laughs> You can get away with anything. The ultimate, the ultimate get out of jail free card in America. Look at those hips! Boy, don't lie, man. Boy can dance. Yeah, goddamn. Like Chuck uh, Berry did it. Chris Chris Brown, R. Kelly. Listen to that heavenly voice. Yeah, that was that one thing that he kept. That every victim in the R. Kelly thing kept saying over and over again. Every victim who was kept in a closet at R. Kelly's house was like, they yeah, he, all said that they all said one thing in common. He ripped my anus when I was twelve years old, but man, he could sing. Man, every night he just sung like it like an angel. <laughs> uh, so, anyways, yeah, Michael Jackson not only like the Thriller call out, but also the. Evil people all had one glove, and right. that was attributed to Michael Jackson, right? Too, yeah. There's the Jaws T-shirt, which uh, Jason wears uh, for a good portion of this movie. Uh, Jordan Peele mentioned specifically the line: um, "There's a family in our driveway." As trying to capture, um, he called an Amblin-esque line, like "They're here from Poltergeist." They're here, yeah. And that's, I mean. I'm just impressed with with people that are able to use cinematic quotations and inspirations in a way that isn't so isn't completely blatant. Yeah, slamming you in the face. Yeah, that I appreciate it. Yeah, like, yeah, that's really good. You took it and made it your own because you like it. Yeah, um, our main character, as I've said before, is named Jason. So that that mm-hmm. hits Friday the Thirteenth. Uh, his counterpart. Um, is a, is a is a victim is a burn victim, and has a burn burn on his face, a la Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, there you go. Um, the all the villains are wearing jumpsuits, so that's a callback to Halloween. Uh, uh, Jason wears a mask. Yeah, so that covers Halloween and Friday the Thirteenth. Uh-huh. And there's just a lot of this where he's like, he's like putting that in your face. In not quite the most skillful way, where it's like, look, I really like Halloween. Just look at the fucking, look how much I like it. Yeah, I mean, but what, what like slasher where people are chasing you after you is not referencing Halloween, though. Touche. Yeah, it's a good point. 
Um, but yeah, I didn't, I didn't think about that, but yeah, the jumpers are definitely that. So the soundtrack in this movie, wow. <laughs> Fantastic. Yes. It, it, it's one of those where you realize, yes, orchestra, orchestral soundtracks, please, for horror movies. Yeah. It's so much better. It really is. Than like these digital and just like, even like the you know, the screeching and, like, metallic sound effects stuff. Like, yeah, it's creepy and scary, but there's nothing as impactful as, like, a symphonic sting. Yeah. Analog, you have to go analog for whatever it is because it's just visceral, and that's what you want. Look Look at Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Those weird sounds from the slaughterhouse that they recorded, and they're so, they're so alarming sounding just because it's, it's a real sound made in real life, and that doesn't doesn't sit well. Yeah, I wanna I wanna pull up this one sound just a second. Yeah, so here's like a couple examples. These are just samples off of uh, of uh, Amazon. First of all, I just want to say how much I appreciate and love creepy choral music. Go on. There's something about like staccato, you know, oh, I got <laughs> foreign chills. language movie, foreign language song that's yeah. like just great. I yeah. love that. Yeah, you can't beat that, and that's like straight out of uh, "Rite of Spring" by Stravinsky, like that. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah, like the, that's like the Russians are great at creepy shit. <laughs> oh man! But man, yeah, the soundtrack is fantastic, and it's all original. Like mo- most of it, right? Is is all original. And there's the, there's and, a couple great. Yeah, you and you'll, the stuff that isn't original is still appropriate and fun and real. Like you like know, right on the nose, too. iconic, right on the nose. Fuck the police coming straight out out the underground, coming straight out the underground. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Like, I, I mean, just talking about it gives me chills. I, it's, it's. Uh, I mean, Bazinga. <laughs> <laughs> so the ultimate spoiler. Yeah, that was that was one of the best. That's one criticism uh, criticism I might have about this movie is that there wasn't enough light moments, or the light moments didn't like make me. They didn't land. Laugh out loud, and that probably would have pushed me over the edge to a nine, if that if Jordan Peele. Had, flexed his comedy muscles a little more on the script yeah i agree but the one that was great was uh they have like the alexa stand-in i can't remember what it's called like Alyssa or something like yeah, that yeah and elizabeth moss is like Alyssa, call 911 no call the police <laughs> plain fuck the police <laughs> and it was yeah that was one that actually landed pretty well. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, any scene where Tim Heidecker was in was light. Yeah. Um, he was he did lighten it up quite a bit. So uh, the ultimate spoiler for this, so, you know, avert your gaze. At the end, it is revealed that the underground copy of Adelaide kidnapped and swapped places with the above ground girl in 1986. This insinuates that... We are them, and they are us. We're totally interchangeable. Under the right circumstances, where you are, socioeconomically, determines who you are. And 
That's all, that's all there. That's all she wrote. Kind of. It's the environment that makes the person. And one thing I noticed that, um, was that none of the red family could talk except for Adelaide. She kind of rasped at them, mm-hmm. but she could talk because underground, no one talked, but Adelaide had a couple years under her belt being above ground. She could remember how to talk. Yeah. And so the ability to talk was mostly lost in Adelaide, who was forced underground. This also explains the supposed PTSD issue following the events of the 1986 boardwalk. Yeah, the, it wasn't it wasn't her like being frightened. It was her literally like learning to being speak. a different person. Yeah, yeah, she's learning to speak for the first time because she hasn't ever heard words before. So, I'm gonna go to the final recommendations. <clears throat> Wait, okay. I want to say I want to talk about one more thing. Um, Lupita Nyong'o. Uh, I mean, we we you said briefly how fantastic she was in this, but she was the best performance out of this. Yeah, by far. And <laughs> I I learned watching some clips on YouTube that she was like full method actor for this. So when she was rehearsing being red, she was like <laughs> Jordan Peele said he'd he'd like come into her dressing room and she'd be just standing in the corner motion oh. motionless and only using that voice just like okay i will be on set in five minutes you know just wow, like you're really good at that can, <laughs> can you imagine how creepy that would be just having her method um, acting I'd just fi- off this <laughs> i'd fire her on the spot I'd be like, get out of here you fucking wig- wigging me out lady but yeah, I mean, she was definitely committed, and and she had like a whole, you know, researched like a particular um, vocal deformity or vocal like uh, malady. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, she, her her commitment to that character and differentiating it was the most convincing, and uh, kind of outshone a lot of the other actors. The the father in this like kind of drew me out sometimes. He wasn't that great in a lot of scenes. Yeah, he was goofy. I think he was the intent behind his character was to be kind of the light. Yeah. The daughter was really great. The son was young, but pretty good. Um, yeah. Talked about Tim Heidecker. Yeah. Elizabeth Moss was pretty great too. Just being like basic white bitch. Yeah. Yeah. She's <laughs> Is it vodka o'clock? It's like, okay. Yeah. We get it. You drive a minivan. Oh yeah, the other part. Just talking about the uh, the tethered. The other metaphor that I thought it could have represented was consumerism, because the idea of um, having of duplicating bodies and having one soul, and then it's mentioned specifically that the intent of it was to be able to control the above ground people by manipulating the people underground, but it didn't work. It, oh, it worked the other way it around. Reversed. Okay, and then last thing I want to talk about is, do you think that this is connected with the Get Out universe? That's a really good question. I didn't, uh, I didn't consider that. I do. Go on. So if you think about the basic premise of Get Out, which is they are transplanting the mind of one person into another body right to perpetuate their life 
it's not that far to like say, oh, we'll just create a duplicate of your body and insert your mind into that one. Whoa. So it's like the 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 moral question of if you could clone a human, one of the ideas is you could clone like your baby or your child when it's born and just have it not have a brain. Have a backup. And you have a backup. You have a full body worth of organs that you can harvest. Like I think that's I think he's got and he mentions uh, Jordan Peele mentions in interviews how he has a whole fleshed out, like a very fleshed out um, backstory for all of this. And I, I'm i willing to bet that part of that backstory is connecting the worlds of these two movies yeah. in terms of like having, having uh, transplant bodies, you know. At the start of this movie, they, it's, this movie actually starts with a text on screen. That says that mentions that America has hundreds, thousands, millions of miles of tunnels and underground yeah. um, uh, that are charted and uncharted. That are charted un- and uncharted, and most most go unused, unnoticed, and forgotten. And uh, and so that's a very compelling theory. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Hey. I think he's going to go M. Night Shyamalan in, like, the third movie. He's going to be like, oh, yeah. Look, here's the guy from Get Out. Breaking news! Horror movie talk. Bringing it to you first. <laughs> the theory that they're all connected. Probably same theory that a billion YouTubers have already posted no. by the time this episode comes out. No, just us. <clears throat> okay. So, final recommendations. Who would like this? I'm going to say, um, you go ahead. I think if you liked the like social commentary aspects of Get Out, you'll like this movie. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a very high quality movie. Like I, I think any I could recommend pretty much anyone to go see it. Um, like it'll it'll satisfy a lot of people. I mean, people will have criticisms, but not to the point where they'll completely hate it. Right. Like, I think the people that hate it on Twitter and stuff are the people that had super high expectations and are like, oh, this is dumb. It's a boring movie. It's like, I mean, if you compare it to, you know, other horror movies, it's really great. Yeah. Yeah, I, no, I agree. And, you know, I I think uh, anyone who enjoys a movie with a deep, well-thought-out meaning or symbolism will be able to latch on to something within this movie. Yeah. And and I think that's actually what will drive a lot of the hate for this movie because you're going to read into it what you want to. And unless you and a lot of, if you if you choose to make this about something that goes against your beliefs uh-huh. or then it will become that and you'll shut down and you'll just go this is about this is about the left being right or something like that. This is criticizing me. Right. This is directly criticizing me and you will stop looking at this. But in reality, this movie really is all encompassing in its, in its effort to say, no, everyone's at fault in my opinion. Uh, anyway, so if you really like home invasion horror, 
This is a must-see. You got to see it. Um, it's not the best home invasion horror, but it is home invasion horror, and it has some very what will be long-term iconic shots and callbacks and all kinds of stuff. So, so with that, that's our review of us. Sweet. Let's get into our first game, which is the Rotten Tomatoes game. Ah, the French. And so the Rotten Tomatoes game is a game where I present two movies to Bryce, and he has to ferret out which one has the higher Rotten Tomato Tatometer score. And we usually have a theme for the Rotten Tomatoes game, and my theme for this one is an us theme. So the theme is director versus themself. So you're going to get two movies given to you, Bryce. Okay. And they are going to be from the same director. And so you have to guess which movie has the higher Rotten Tomato Tatometer score. Are you ready? Sorry. <laughs> I was distracted. Well, what are we doing? <laughs> what was the, the theme? It's us. So us. the director versus themselves. Okay. Yeah. So it's going to be... A movie direct. So, the for example, the first one is Jordan Peele. So we're gonna do Get Out versus Us. Oh, okay. So it's the director versus themselves. So when did you take these numbers? Yesterday. So Friday following release of Us. Um, I'm gonna say Get Out. Walk us through your. I think. I mean, it was a hundred percent, but as the you know, critics and is this this is the critic score, right? Yeah, it's the Tato meter score. I'm thinking it's probably going to get dropped down over over the the weekend or whatever to below get out. Yeah, this one's a little tricky because us has only been out a day as of when I took these numbers. Yeah, and I, I know us at a point was a hundred percent sure, and I I'm pretty sure that. Get Out wasn't 100%, but it's probably like 99, 98. And I'm thinking Us is probably like 95 now. Wow, man. You are, you're like, you're like the fucking chosen one for this. <laughs> get Out, 98%. <laughs> us, 95%. <laughs> wow. It's like the prophet. Okay, so Bryce gets one point for the first one. Second, and that deserves like five points. Yeah, um, I named both yeah, scores. Okay, I'll, okay, I'll give you, I'll give you two points for that. Okay, all right. Uh, so the second one is going to be Steven Spielbergo. Senor Spielbergo. Senor Spielbergo. So the first movie is Jaws, and the second movie is Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Oh wow! Ah, this was mm. ah, the Jaws. Um, <laughs> yeah, this one's hard because Jaws is both of them are legendary. Oh yeah. Um, I think Jaws is more beloved mm -hmm. than Close Encounters. Maybe, but Close Encounters would definitely be more of a critical darling. They both star the same guy. They star the same guy. Yeah, what's his face? little diminutive guy who, who oh yeah that's the, right uh you're right richard yeah. dreyfus dreyfus yeah um builds the builds the circus tent out of mashed potatoes yeah or uh devil's peak right is that what it was it looks like a circus tent <laughs> <laughs> uh 
Um, no, that's you're thinking of the Simpsons again. It also does look like a circus tent <laughs> in close encounters through guy. Um, I'm going to guess close encounters. One point off. Jaws is 97 and Close Encounters is 96. Oh, yeah. But you made up for that with the last one. Yeah. I mean, Jaws is the better movie. Yeah. It is. <coughs> I uh, should have had more faith in critics. So third matchup is going to be Sam Raimi. We got Drag Me to Hell versus the original Evil Dead. Um, oof. Boy, drag me to hell, man. I really... We gotta review yeah. that movie soon. Drag so, me to hell was so really much, great. So much fun. Yeah. yeah. Probably... Is that the best PG-13 horror movie ever? Oh, without a doubt. I mean, I, uh, yeah. That's probably the scariest PG... No, I don't know. We'd have to look back at... What's the scariest PG-13 movie and what's the best PG-13 I think maybe The Ring... Movie? I think The Ring might actually be PG-13. Oh, yeah? Maybe. Um, yeah, this is another one of those where it's like Evil Dead is legendary and, um, like influential. And so critics will probably like that. And critics over time will review that one better. Yeah. Drag Me to Hell is probably based off of just the original release reviews. Not a lot of people are going back to the well with Drag Me to Hell. Right. I'll say Evil Dead. That's solid logic, and it got you a point, because Evil Dead is 95, Drag Me to Hell is 92. Nice. Although, um, if I'm being honest, I think I think Drag Me to Hell trumps the original Evil Dead. I mean, if we're talking Evil Dead 2, then it becomes a totally different thing. But yeah. the original Evil Dead... Okay, so now we got a very controversial director... Lars von Trier, <laughs> who, you know what? Actually, this is interesting to me because the movie that I can't get out of my head <laughs> is The House That Jack Built. Uh-huh. It sticks with me more than anything we've watched. It, I think about it constantly. I, I, I'm like, in a way, I'm obsessed with the movie. And I don't dislike it like I did before. Yeah. I just don't want to watch it again. Because of how fucked up it was. Right. But but really, if you're talking about something that really stuck with me, man, the house that Jack built just it's like a taste I can't get out of my mouth. The house the house that Jack built, like now that I think of it, most of that movie, most of the scenes give me the same feeling that the Buffalo Bill scenes do in Silence of the Lambs. Right. It's all a li- yeah, it's it definitely kept my attention. And there was a par- part of the experience, because we watched it in an old, old school theater, um, in a special one-off showing of the director's cut. Yeah, with down- a bunch of hipsters from yeah, Portland. With, with a bunch of hipsters from Portland. <laughs> so there's a, there's a portion of it that was just the, the ambiance of the theater that, was, that stuck with me. It all just felt very surreal. Anyway, so we have the house that Jack built. Versus Antichrist, another very controversial movie with some very upsetting scenes. Um, this one, you have to depend on how much do critics like the smell of their own farts. Mm-hmm. Um, critics are pretty universal in, in, in hating Lars von Trier. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm. 
Um, you know, I haven't seen it, but I'm going to say Antichrist just because I think it's one of those movies that's like, yes, it's very, very disturbing and tasteless, but it's important. I I really want to see this movie because I feel that way about it, not even having it, seen it. <laughs> but uh, but no, you're wrong. It's Damn. the house that Jack built um, is less distasteful. We'll say that. Okay. At a 58, and Antichrist got a 52. Yeah, that's really interesting. I think. I mean, at least it shows like, yeah, like we said, Rotten Tomatoes does not measure how good it is. Not like it's not an average of scores. Right. It's an average of sentiment. Right. So more, it's split between critics that liked it and disliked it. It's very, if, if anyone in the audience is interested in having a good time, go and, and look up reviews on Lars von Trier movies, because because it's like watching a master troll, troll even, critics. Yeah, yeah, even better, watch interviews of Lars von Trier on YouTube, and it's like... Just, there's like one where it's a panel interview with everyone from Melancholia, I think. Uh-huh. And he's like, you know, I really sympathize with Hitler. Oh. <laughs> and you see like... Um, everyone recoils. What's her name? Kirsten Dunst just like, oof. <laughs> just because they're like, they know him because yeah, they, they've worked with him right. and they know he's just being a troll. But they're also like... You can't say Lars, that. we're trying to promote this fucking movie. We're trying to make money right. back from the investment. Stop, stop sympathizing with Hitler. It's like he doesn't. It's like he doesn't care. Right. Yeah. Okay. So you didn't get that one. You let's see here. You got two points for the first. You missed the second, but you made up for it. You got the third, and you missed this one. So you have three points. No one. Yeah, one, three two, points. three. Yeah, three points. Okay, so the final one is George A. Romero. We got Creepshow versus the original The Crazies. Um. Did you ever? Um. Uh, uh, <laughs> the Crazies. Did you ever see either have, the original Crazies or the remake in two thousand eleven? I have not. But. The fact that it's remade, it must be pretty good. Yeah, I believe he was executive producer on the remake as well. I'll say The Crazies. Incorrect. Damn. Yeah, so you come away with three points. Dang darn damn. Creep Show, 71. The Crazies, 64. Mm. Mm, uh, no, French champagne. Hit me with that. I just did. <laughs> the French... <laughs> okay, and finally, uh, the French. Roar. <laughs> finally, we got uh, it came from social media. I have that one. Yes, it came from social media to fill the world with terror, to bring you unforgettable suspense. <laughs> what was it? Where did it come from? Who were the all-powerful creatures it brought from social media? And what did they want on Earth? So, uh, 
about a month ago, this is a little bit late on this one, so you just forgive me, but about a month ago, I ran a poll that had a lot of participation (laughs) on Twitter uh, asking the question, which is the scariest natural disaster? And then I added as many natural disasters as Twitter would let me, which turned out to be four. So we have four natural disasters that we're pitting against each other. We have Tsunami. We have hurricane slash spinny wind. We have earthquake, and then we have sinkhole. Now, mm-hmm. for those of you who aren't familiar, Bryce and we're kind of group. I think through the comments on Twitter, we grouped tornado and hurricane together, basically. Yeah, turnotter. So, for those of you who aren't familiar with the long-term bout slash feud between Bryce and myself, Bryce claims that sinkholes are the scarier natural disaster. I, I claim that sinkholes are the scariest natural disaster. And that I, there's nothing more frightening than the earth opening up and swallowing you into a bottomless pit. You're a fucking lunatic, and you should be locked up. Because earthquakes are obviously the scariest natural disaster. They affect so many more people. The locality is huge. And they can, while a sinkhole, yes, can swallow a couple buildings. An earthquake can level all of L.A. Yes, this is true. The destruction of an earthquake is, like, you know, uncontestable. It's much worse. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But we're talking scary. Like, yeah. Earthquakes is the ground shaking. It's not normal. But you have earthquake drills. Like, there's there's things that you can do. You know, Sure, you have earthquake drills. Go stand in a doorway. Go get under a parking structure. There's no sinkhole, sinkhole go, drill. I guess you're go right. Go out into an open field and roll around on the ground. There's nothing that will happen to you. I in don't an think you. I don't think you or the people orchestrating these fucking earthquake drills have any idea what an earthquake is. Because if you've been in an earthquake, there's no fucking running into a field. There's just there's just crumpling into a little blob on the floor and praying that the that that structure doesn't come down around you. Right. Well, I mean, I can at any point in in my life I can examine, okay, what's my what's my contingency plan for an earthquake, which is in in this room, I'd be like, all right, I can get under the desk. I could go over to that wall cuz it's concrete. It's not going to fall in on me. Or I could get in the doorway. There's more, you know, support around the frame. There's like I can be Two or three steps away from, you know, a contingency plan. This sinkholes, the ground beneath you disappears and you're gone. There's no drill for sinkholes. There's gr- no drill I'll, for sinkholes. I'll grant you that. But and there's something eminently biblical about <laughs> the earth swallowing you up. It's like the most impressive of of God's wraths in the Bible is he just opens up the earth and swallows a group of people which, because they are disobeying. Which could be an earthquake, by the way. <clears throat> which could be an earthquake. Well, sinkholes are the scary... I think I agree with you. Sinkholes are the scariest aspect of earthquakes. See, now, and now we're getting a little bit into where I wanted to go with this. Technically, according to this poll on social media, which was attended by hundreds and hundreds of people, tsunami is by far and away the scariest natural disaster, which got a 48%. Yeah. Hurricane slash spinny wind got a 9%, Earthquake got a paltry 20%, and Sinkhole got, dun-dun, 23%, scarier than solely Earthquake. However, I would like to point out that I did engineer this. 
in my favor because tsunamis are driven by earthquakes, Bryce. So now suddenly I have 68%. What now, bitch? I just dropped the mic. Yeah, I don't buy it. Sinkhole, <laughs> I don't buy it. Sinkholes are still scarier. Sinkholes are the most frightening. It's like, you know what's scary about a tsunami? What? It's the abyss attacking you. Uh-huh. It's the ocean, which represents an endless abyss, and then it encroaches on your territory. And that's exactly what sinkholes do. It just swallows you up into the abyss. That's what's the scariest part of it. I mean, the an earthquake is the abyss from even below the ocean trying to trying to get at you. So, I mean, it's just a matter of me being right and you being wrong. No, really. the earth is the earthquakes just shaking. I feel the earth move. Are you scared under my feet? of shaking or falling? Oh man, I'm hmm. scared of falling. I guess. <laughs> I guess this is being broken down in a lot of different ways here. But I will say that the the thing that I believe I'm factoring into this argument that I don't think you are is likelihood. The 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 likelihood of a sinkhole affecting me or my life is nil. Whereas the likelihood of an earthquake hurting me or someone I know, great. See, I don't know. You you can go to places where earthquakes don't happen. We live in like the ring of fire where we're on a fault zone. So mm-hmm. it is a part of our life. But I mean, in the Pacific Northwest, much less so than California. Yeah. You can move to the Midwest and earthquakes are not a problem. That's true. But, but then you got to deal with the spinning wind. Sinkholes. Sinkholes can happen anywhere. Sinkholes can be man-made. They can be naturally occurring. I wish the audience could see your face right now. You're you're lit up with excitement. And another thing to factor in, how many shows have there been made about earthquakes? Because I discovered last night that there's a whole show on the sci-fi channel called Sinkholes Swallowed Alive. Yeah, you texted their, me about this. Saying, it was on, and it was on episode eleven of season one. I'm like, yeah, there's a whole season's worth of talking about terrifying sinkholes. Of course, there's a, there's a whole because it's exotic, it's rare. The rarity is what makes it interesting. Earthquakes are a dime a dozen; they're everywhere, killing people left and right. But they can strike at any moment. If you're in Florida, maybe. <laughs> Again, this is locality based. <laughs> or in, you know, West Virginia, good luck. You're going to hit a sinkhole probably. So, <laughs> with that, the debate is is closed. Sinkholes are scary. Okay. <laughs> so with that, thank you very much for listening to Horror Movie Talk. Again, we post every we post new episodes every Wednesday. Oh, big shout out to the lady who sat next to me in the theater and who claimed she was going to jump out of her skin. <laughs> but didn't you kept it together and for that i salute you and thank you for being a cool uh you know uh, enjoyable person to sit next to while we watched us mm-hmm. so that's my that's my shout out for for this week's episode shout out to olga on uh, facebook that always consistently oh, likes yeah. olga stuff. olga is great man she every single post we put out there on facebook she's mm-hmm. like what's up guys i like this yeah and brad yeah He's pretty great, too. Yeah. 
So thank you, everyone, for liking, sharing, subscribing. We really appreciate it. If you want to help the show out, head on over to Shudder and enter HMT at checkout to get that 30-day free trial of the premier horror streaming service, curated lists, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, got Gremlins 2, the new batch, which (laughs) we are going to be recording an episode for right after this. So... Head on over to Shutter, enter HMT at checkout, and that will help out the show. And we're struggling artists, so you des- you need to help us. <laughs> also, if you'd like to help us, head on over to our website, horrormovietalk.com. And anytime you got to do your shopping, just click through the link at the top of the page. It's green. It takes you to Amazon. And then we get a couple cents anytime you buy, you know, n- bottle nipples for your baby or cat litter for your cat. Or that that shipment of um, extra large dildos that you just can't do without. <laughs> Special thanks to everyone who's listening. I'm sure this is going to be a big episode because Us is a big movie. And you guys should definitely check it out in theaters. So thank you again and have a great week. Bye-bye. Bye.